God is good, isn't he? Sometimes it's good to just have those moments of silence before him and just let him do the talking and the moving and the cleansing and all of those things. Um, This week, if you've been doing the Bible reading with the church, we started in Deuteronomy. And I haven't gotten past the first chapter yet because I've reread it every single day. And I'm finding it very good and very fascinating. And it's kind of one of those books that sometimes you just avoid because the name itself is a little bit odd and you're not quite sure what it's going to be full of. But I want us to just read it together, and, and I just want to share, Just it, we're not going to have a long time today, I just have a, a word from the Lord, but it's, it's one that um, I got months ago, so I was getting ready one day, at, the Lord dropped one sentence into my heart, and I thought, okay, Lord, I, I know that that's what you want to say to us, and then as I've been reading through Deuteronomy this week, I just feel like the Lord's kind of developed that a little bit, so... Um, let's go to Deuteronomy 1, and, and basically Moses is just laying out kind of what they've done, what we already read in Numbers a, a little bit ago, okay? Uh, he, he's just kind of telling the story of the Israelites. They've, they were freed from Egypt and from all that oppression, and, um, and they've been delivered, okay? And so then they're wandering around in the wilderness, and uh, it's, it's kind of a hard journey. And they, they come to the land that they're going to have, and they send some scouts into the land to see, you know, go scope it out for us before we, before we go take this land that God has promised to give us. Why don't, why don't you send somebody? And, um, but the whole time um, that the Israelites, uh, God, you know, God's people, are wandering around in the desert, um, they're kind of whiny, for lack of a better word. I don't, if you read Numbers, I just thought, how can these people be so complaining and so distraught and discouraged all the time? They're, they're being led by a pillar of fire, you know? Um, and so we're going to pick up in verse, uh, let's see, 26, Deuteronomy 1, 26. And, uh, and this is just kind of telling about the people of Israel during this time. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. This is to the land. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of that land are taller and powerful than we are. Uh, more powerful than we are, and their towns are large, with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just, uh, just as a father cares for his child. And now he has brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. When the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. So he solemnly swore, not one of you from this wicked generation will live to see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb. He will see the land because he has followed the Lord completely. 
I will give to him and his descendants some of the very land he explored during his scouting mission. And the Lord was also angry with me because of you. He said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. I will give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You are afraid they would be captured, but they will be the ones who occupy it. As for you, turn around now and go back through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. That doesn't sound like a real uplifting (laughs) passage, does it? When I read it out loud, I'm like, oh, I hope that uh, you're not thinking, wow, God is so upset with you for complaining. Um, But I saw so many good things out of this. I mean, I, I, I literally have read this like five times this week. I've just read chapter one just over and over and over. And I, I've just found it very interesting that the people of Israel were delivered from the oppression of Egypt, and yet they're not satisfied still. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes our deliverance looks different than we thought it was supposed to, you know? And if we get careful, and if we're not running to the Lord, we get all caught up in what was supposed to be, that we miss the supernatural provision of the Lord, even to the point that we would prefer our previous oppression, And, and this is big. Think about this. The people of Israel, number one, their deliverance, when they were set free, it was miraculous. Out of Egypt. They get away and come to a sea, which God parts, and they walk through on dry ground. I would say that's God doing the deliverance, wouldn't you? And then they're in the wilderness where there is no food. So there is manna that comes from heaven for them every day so they can eat. There is this wonderful pillar of cloud that covers them during the day that leads them exactly where they're supposed to go. And a a pillar of fire by night so they can travel. And yet, when you read the story about the Israelites in this time, they're always complaining about it. They're, they're missing the very supernatural signs and wonders and provision of the Lord. And I think sometimes it's because our human minds tend to set up an expectation We're getting out of this joint. God is setting us free. And then you get on the other side and you're like, this is not what it was supposed to be like. I wasn't like down for the wilderness. Like that's not what I signed up for. Like I expected when you said you were taking us to a land flowing with milk and honey, I was thinking that when I got over to the the other side of the Red Sea, that there was going to be people who all of a sudden just bowed before me and offered me my milk and honey. And it was going to be all glorious and wonderful and I was going to feel amazing. And because we set that up in our minds sometimes, 
We conquer something. We move into this new place with the Lord and we're like, yeah. And then it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. You have to begin to guard your heart and your mind so that you don't get into a place where you complain about the very place that you prayed God would take you. And I think this is why we see, even to the point, how many times did the Israelites say, oh, if we could just go back to Egypt. If we could just go back to our oppression because that was better. At least we knew what it was like. And sometimes I think we get to a place in our walk with the Lord where we, we re-enter into something new and all the change and all the difference and, and some of the hardships will actually send us, if you're not guarding your mind and if you are not running to the Lord and in relationship, letting him speak to you, you will find your place, yourself back in the same place of oppression. Have you ever seen this happen? Like even something financially. You take Dave Ramsey. You were like, we are on the budget. We are working the cash. We are doing the debt snowball. We are like going to be free. We got this. You know, you're in the class. You're like, yeah, Dave Ramsey all the way. You're like all into it. Some of you. Okay. So then you, you start this system, right? You, you decide, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. We're going to financial peace. We're having financial freedom. You start it. And then, you know what happens? It gets hard. Because envelopes stink. Because when you run out of the cash in there, you're not supposed to spend anything else. That's hard. It's hard living... Um, with self-restraint if you're not used to it, putting a budget around yourself and not being able to enjoy every pleasure that you did before. You've seen these people. So you set it up, you start doing it, you go, and then you go, you know what? Eh, that's not so bad. I'm going to go back to this place of bondage in my finances. Now, I don't think anybody says that in their mind. But it's true. But it's true for even deeper things. God sets, sets you free in your marriage. There was something there. And you, you, you begin to, to walk into something new. You kind of have a new relationship. And then circumstances and things bog you down. You, you have to go through some stuff. And either that will, you will say, okay, we're going together. Or you will say, you know what, this is really hard. And it was better when I was just over here. Because at least I knew how to handle that my old defenses work better and when you begin to look at those things and you begin to run into hardships you will find that complaining about them complaining about them in your tent in your home you might not be complaining about them in the church you might not be complaining about them in your workplace, but when you're grumbling and that's where your heart is, it breeds discontentment. And the more you complain, the less satisfied you will be, even in the midst of miracles, even in the midst of freedom. If you complain, you will not be satisfied. It is that simple. Because discontentment will just always lead to dissatisfaction. 
even if the man is coming down from heaven and you are watching a pillar of fire while you are walking. You can walk in the supernatural. You can be immersed in it. You can see signs and wonders and still be dissatisfied. And I know that sounds crazy. And I read about the Israelites and I'm like, what are they thinking? But then I think about my own life and I think, God, that's exactly how we are sometimes. We can be walking in supernatural provision of the Lord. He can be just falling things into place. But if we're focused on this one thing that we don't like, we're not even satisfied with everything he's doing. And complaining isn't attractive on God's kids. It's not. I haven't found once in the Bible that, have you ever seen all those scriptures that say clothe yourself? I've never seen one that says please clothe clothe yourself with complaining. It's not attractive for God's kids. God's kids in his kingdom don't wear complaining as as their clothing. That's so last year. (laughs) I'm glad you guys are awake. (laughs) So don't let your disappointments and your discouragements that you run into, your hardships send you backwards to a place that you're not called to go. And this is the thing. I saw this in Numbers when I read this account. This, this was the most fascinating thing to me. Do you notice this? They're on their journey into the promised land. Do you know when they turn around? They're, they're whining and complaining, and then God says, okay, none of this generation is going, so you're going to have to run around for 40 years. So go back by way of the Red Sea. Can you imagine what it was like? This caught my heart. I was just like, oh. They went back by way of the Red Sea. What were their hearts like when they came to that sea that was the very beginning of their deliverance, that they had seen parted before them? They had walked through that sea on dry ground. Can... I wonder what they thought. I wonder if it was like, we forgot who he was. We forgot what he did. And here we are walking past the Red Sea. I know, I know their hearts were stirred. I just think that God certainly sent them that way on purpose. Go back by the Red Sea. Like, hey, just, just a little reminder of the beginning of this journey here. And how many times in our lives, you know, if you find yourself, if you've gotten on the complaining side and you're like all caught up in your dissatisfaction, you're not sure what you should be doing, maybe you should go back to the first thing that God said before you started on that whole cycle. Go back to the Red Sea. Go back to the initial deliverance and say, okay, now where do we go from here? But that that caught my attention. I was just like, wow. Go back by way of the Red Sea. I was like, I can't imagine going back there and and seeing that and what your heart must have felt like after you had just totally given over your inheritance, basically, um, to go back and see that, that first thing. Isn't that amazing? So... There's, there's something important about all of this. When God is speaking to you, when he's setting you free, when he's taking you to new places, when he's guiding you, when you're in the middle of, of all of this stuff, 
It's really important to learn to hear his voice and to be able to respond to the spirit of God rather than reacting out of fear or anger or anything else. Does that make sense? So I, wanna, I, I believe that, that God is calling us to be responders, not reactors. So he's calling us to respond to people to, in our circumstances, to respond out of the Spirit. And, he's ca- and he wants us to respond to him, to his promises. And Deuteronomy 1 is a really good example of people reacting to, to other people, to their circumstances, and to the Lord. See, and respond and react are similar words, but if you look them up in the dictionary, when you look up respond, it's like, like sometimes it says to react or, or to give a, um, I didn't write it down, but to, to give a response in, a, in, in addition to something else. React, everything was like similar, but it was all in a negative connotation to, to push back as a negative thing, to pull back, to, to react. Or a chemical reaction. Something sparks you in you and, and then it causes you to react. And so in Deuteronomy 1, we see Moses accounting these people. You know, not even Moses got to go into the promised land. Why? Because he was so mad at the people, he reacted and hit the rock instead of spoke to the rock. He didn't respond well. He reacted. And, you know, that's easy to do. Some of those, some people... You know the people in your life that I'm talking about. They just hit the button and you just go, you know? You're just like, where did that come from? It's a reaction. It's not a response. They responded to their circumstances, to the Lord. The Lord said, this is your land, go take it. And then they got this great idea that they needed to send scouts. And the scouts come back and say, oh, the people are so big. They're so tall. They're, they're just stronger and they're more powerful. Do you know what the response... Moses said... It's okay, let's take the land. Caleb and Joshua said, no, we should take it. Let's do it. This is what God is saying. The people say, no, we can't do it. They're so powerful. They freak out. Out of fear, they, re- they react. Rather than responding to what God is saying, they react out of fear. And they don't take the land until God tells them to go back by the Red Sea and they say, hold on, we'll go fight. But then it's too late. And so I want us to think of ourselves as first responders, okay? So what is a first responder? Anybody? A what? The one who's there first. Nurses, doctors, EMTs, policemen, right? All those people in our community have a responsibility. This is the definition of a first responder. Someone who has a responsibility to respond in crisis and be there as quickly as they can, to respond first, Okay, so, I mean, Corey, Austin, Shane, are you, in, are you down? Okay, and the other Shane. Okay, so I need you guys to come up here. You're my first responders because you guys look amazing like you're here to save the day. Okay? Okay, so um, let's see. I need a kid. Stephen, you want to come up? Okay, so Stephen here, you can lay on the ground. <clears throat> He's been waiting all day to just lay down in church, so I'm giving you permission. All right, so Stephen here has had a tragic accident, okay? 
So help is on the way. We need our first responders to come and just take care of this, okay? <laughs> it always helps when his feet are up, you know, to help the blood. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so now these are first responders. That's what it looks like, right? I mean, it's comical because we're having fun. But they get in there, they get the job done, they move quickly, they respond to crisis, they respond to what they see, and they just get it done. Now I need you guys to be full. Okay? I'm just going to have you So... I'm just giving them a little bit of instruction so we really get the point. All right, so now we're going to have first reactors, okay? So here's our team of EMTs. They are on the way to the scene, and they are going to be first reactors this time. So go ahead and take care of Steven. Awesome. Okay, you guys are you guys are awesome. Thank you. Give our give our responders a hand. Okay. This is very funny, but think about it. If our first responders acted like like first reactors, we'd have a lot of problems. We'd have a lot less people who are alive. And but sometimes, I mean, th that was funny. Like, I thought of this, and I was like, that's hilarious to think of people, like, being, you know, first responders, like, freaking out and, uh, you know, not being able to do anything, just, you know, reacting to, ah, blood, you know. Um, and not everyone's called to be a first responder for that reason. <laughs> but in the spirit and in God's kingdom, we are all called to be responders, and to be first responders, we have a responsibility to the world to respond to them in a godly way and show them Jesus and lead them to the king and usher them into the kingdom. And so when we face things in our lives, whether it's with people, whether it's with circumstances, or whether it's with the Lord, we want to respond in our right mind saying, okay, let's get this job done. If you've ever, I mean, even on the, t on the TV shows, you can get an idea of what it's like for a first responder. They just do their job. They just get in the zone and they, they respond no matter what. Some of you are first responders in here or have been in your life. You understand that. You see crisis and you just go in your mode of just responding. You just, you just do it. You don't freak out. Even if you want to. I'm not saying all first responders don't want to freak out and react. Some of them, I'm sure, do. But they, they go to their responsibility and they just respond. And that, that is a picture, I believe, of what the Lord is saying he wants us to be like. When we come to people, when we see crisis around us, when we encounter the drama people of our lives, to not be sucked into those kinds of things, but just get in there, get the job done, just do what God is telling you. If he's saying go take the land, you go take the land. It doesn't matter if they're bigger and stronger. If he said you had it, you have it. Amen. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You just get in, you get your job done, you do what God says, and, it, and, and he goes before you and paves the way, 
and makes it possible. Now, don't go try to take the land of the giants if he didn't say go take the land of the giants, okay? But the idea of responding is that there's an, an initiation first. You can't respond if there's nobody that initiates, that needs a response. So if the Lord is initiating something, then our call is to respond to him, not to react. If people in your life, their behavior um, is requiring a response, then we give them a response from the Lord and out of our spirit in us rather than reacting and joining them in their own reaction. Because sometimes we live like a chemical reaction. You know those people in your life that probably aren't good for you and they react and then you react and then you send it and it's like... And then you just like have all these people who are... "Ah," And then they have to bring them to the pastor, you know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not, but... (laughs) So I believe that the key to becoming a responder is not about trying harder. It's not about being better. It's not about being gooder. But it's about knowing God better. Relationship and the word will launch us into a place of being a responder rather than a reactor. Think about it. Know your God. Receive his love. When we, when we receive his love, we're all around a better person. Does anybody know that? You will respond better when you know you're well-loved. When you don't know you're well-loved, that's when you start being a reactor. Because you react out of fear, out of anger, out of insecurity. When you're well-loved, perfect love casts out all fear, right? Right? So when you know that you're well-loved, you're less likely to react out of fear of something because you know who you are in Christ. So a daily relationship with the Lord will will help you be a responder when you're hearing his voice, when when you're just in communion with him. That does not mean sit down on your couch for an hour and soak in his presence. If you have that kind of time, I envy you. Okay, but what my day looks like sometimes is I sit down for five minutes and uh, listen to one song if I'm lucky and, and like can have the kids not be destroying the house in that five minutes. But even if I don't sit down, I can be changing a diaper and I can hear the Lord's voice tell me something. When I'm driving down the road, I can hear the Lord tell me something. Do you know I've gotten all these messages while I'm putting my makeup on? Because that's, that's just like a time that I can like just focus on nothing. You know, I, the Lord is just speaking to me, okay? So find that time. It's, you've got to be in a relationship with him that will help you have that love encounter. If, it, if it's been a while, just ask the Lord, Lord, I just need a touch of your love again. I just need to be reminded. I just, I just know that you love me and I want to be well loved so that I can love well. All right? The other thing is get in the word. Get in the word of God. Okay, think about Jesus. Jesus is a perfect example of a responder. Do you know any time people came and riled him up? You know, he, he gets baptized by John the Baptist when he starts his ministry. The dove comes down, the heavens open, God's voice says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All right? And, and like, that's like a, a powerful thing, right? It's an, it's an experience that Jesus has with his father. 
Do you know when people are trying to push Jesus's buttons, whether it's Satan in the wilderness, whether it's it's the Pharisees and all those guys who try to get them all to like say something wrong and to react. Do you know what does he does he say? Well, I had this experience with my father and the dove came down and he rested on me and I am God's son. He does not say that. Do you know what Jesus says? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. How many times does Jesus respond with that? He's, he's going back to God's word. He's not saying, well, I had this cool experience. Not that those things aren't good. But listen to me. If you are a Christian who relies solely on experiences with the Lord, you will probably be more of a reactor than a responder. Because experiences, um, they make you feel good. You know, it touches your feelings. Now, I'm an experiential person, and God does those for me a lot. Like, I'm, I always have experiences, but I'm in his word also. And so you can't, you can't just rely solely on your experiences and your feelings, because when you're relying on your feelings, you're going to turn into a reactor, not a responder. Because sometimes we have to respond even when we don't feel like it. We have to give a response that we would rather we feel like giving a big, fat reaction. But a responder, and I'm not, I'm not discounting experiences, please hear that, because I think that those are very important and very timely for the Lord. But it's when we fall back on things that we, we need to speak to them, we need to say it is written. This is what God's word says about this. It is written. This is so valuable. You must have it in your heart. Right, kids? We've been talking about that upstairs. We talked about having God's word in our heart last week. They all found scriptures and we talked about them, talked about what they meant. That's important. Whether it's reading a verse, whether it's reading a book, whatever you, whatever you have. But getting into his word will help you be a responder and not just a reactor. Because we can't just rely on our feelings. We can't just say, well, enemy, I had this experience with God and he made me feel so good. Because that doesn't mean anything to him. It does mean something when you get a truth from your experience that changes your perspective and you hold on to that. And a lot of times those things are right from this book. You find those things and line them up and then you, you have a tool to, to respond with. And so... That's really my message today is just talking about that. Like, let's be people who, who are thankful. Let's be people with thankful mouths and not complaining mouths. I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I've gotten frustrated in the last couple of weeks and I've been a complainer. I've repented for that. Let's be people. Let's be people who are thankful because you know what? Thankfulness breathes your satisfaction just like complaining breeds discontentment there is something in your life to be thankful for and probably like five or six things even there is something there find it shift your eyes from looking at what you're frustrated with to what god has done and dwell on those things. 
Let's not have to learn like the Israelites learned. Let's not have to keep going back to the Red Sea. You know, let's just, let's just experience God's freedom and his deliverance and embrace it even when it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. Let's face those things together. Let's be responders in a world of reactors. Let's be the people who respond, who bring God's word to people, who bring God's relationship to people, because ultimately that's what our response is. We are supposed to always be responding with the world, taking them the good news. That is a response to the world, is Jesus. And when we have those, and let's, let's get in relationship with him. Let's have those encounters that deepen our relationship, but let's also not forget to be in God's word also. And I believe that when we take those things, our relationship with him, our intimacy, our encounters with him, and you, you partner them with God's word, you will be a responder, not just a reactor. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray that you would seal everything that you've done in our hearts today. You've been moving our entire service. You've been stirring our hearts, God. Continue to give us revelation. Continue to, to work in us. And Lord, um, help us embrace the idea of being a first responder rather than a first reactor, Lord. Let us have that in the forefront of our mind. And Lord, let us be a thankful people who never forgets that you are the one who's doing all this wonderful stuff around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys are free to go.